0: May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I say it's really good to see uh, folk here this morning and uh, very lovely to welcome visitors. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this uh, question. uh, And the question is, what are you like? What are you like? as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus? What are the pictures that we are given in scripture which help us to understand what we are like as followers of Jesus? And we've spent some time in uh, the first letter of Peter and we've thought about uh, us being like newborn babies, not infantile in our faith, but crying out wanting more of the Lord, having tasted and seen that he is good, wanting to know him more and more. We've heard that we are like living stones built around Jesus, our cornerstone and connected with one another to create a community where worship and ministry and blessing can take place. We've heard that we are like holy priests, offering worship and the sacrifice of our lives to God. We've heard that we are like chosen people, that we are precious to God and we become part of his new people, recreated to be the people of God. And last week we heard about being aliens and strangers, which is a a strange phrase, isn't it? But this sense that, this is not our home this is not where we belong we belong somewhere else and we are on a journey going there so each of those images helps us to see what it is like to be a follower of Jesus these characteristics of those who are seeking to follow after Jesus we're just going to change tack slightly and go to one of Paul's letters And to look at two or three of the images he gives us. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What are we like as followers of Jesus? And here in this passage uh, we uh, are are looking at this morning, we get this, this, this verse. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. A good soldier of Christ Jesus. And of course, whenever we see a military image in the scriptures, uh, an image of of, uh, 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 using military terminology, we must pause and reflect for a moment and to remember and to receive the image properly. We need to acknowledge that it is part of the history of the church that we have been too quick to use military images to then go on and justify terrible actions. Whether it is the Crusades, British colonial and imperial history, the world wars, the invasions of Iraq or Afghanistan, we know that our country Christian country has been involved and perpetrated some truly horrendous things. That is part of our history. And when we see an image like this, we must remember to separate what scripture is saying from what it is not saying. It is not speaking about the role or use of military or political force in the world And it is not giving us justification for saying might is right. So, if it is not saying those things, what is it saying? This image of being a good soldier in Christ. Scripture is very clear, isn't it? That we are called to a battle, we are called to a fight. And this fight really is on two fronts. Firstly, there is a fight within each of us. You remember these words of St. Paul from Romans. He says this, although I want to do good, evil is right there within me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Within each of us there is a battle, isn't there? And Paul tells Timothy elsewhere in his letters to fight the good fight. This desire to overcome that which would lead us into sin. That which would lead us away from Christ. Yielding to temptation. Yielding to the evil which crouches within each of us. Now we're not to despair. Because in that passage from Romans chapter 7. Paul rejoices. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ but first and foremost this <clears throat> is the battle this is the fight and then secondly scripture also tells us doesn't it that we are called to play our part in In the battle against the powers and principalities, the evil forces, which scripture is quite clear, are at work in the world to lead people away from Christ. Those have been defeated by Christ on the cross. But the full extent of that victory is not yet seen and will not be seen until the day that he returns in glory. So we are called to play our part in that battle. And in another of Paul's letters, Ephesians chapter 6, he says these beautiful words. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to do what? What? To stand your ground. Don't be worrying about, you know, Assassin's Creed, all this kind of thing. You know, that's not what we're called to. We're called to stand our ground. And to stand your ground is a beautiful and amazing and wonderful thing. It's not scriptural, but just reflect on the the truth that I, I once saw in a rather naff birthday card. It said, today's mighty oak is simply yesterday's acorn which stood its ground. It's a good image, isn't it? Stand your ground. So what is this fight? Like a good soldier, what is this fight? It is the fight within each of us. And it is a fight against those powers of evil that surround us. This is the fight that we are called to. This is what it means partly to be a follower of Jesus. To be involved in these battles. And in these battles, Paul tells us, we are to expect suffering. Join with me in suffering or in other translations, join with me in hardship. You see, this is a real challenge for Christians like me, born and brought up in the affluent West. Generally speaking, I think we expect the Christian faith to be easy. We expect it to be comfortable. There's even an unspoken contract which sort of creeps into us. And we think to, my, we think to ourselves, well, Lord, I've said I'm going to follow you. I've, I've, I've started. I'm, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm doing my best. I've, I've repented of my sins. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm praying. I know I've tasted and seen that you're good. I've, I've got the Holy Spirit. Come on, you do your bit now. Can you sort out these problems over here? Can you at least meet me halfway? Okay? And we somehow think that that, Although it's a bit crass to say it, we somehow think that the Lord owes us a better time than we are currently having. This is not scriptural. In scripture it is clear that yes, he will bless us. Yes, he will give us life in all its fullness. Yes, this will be the adventure of our lives. But it will be difficult from time to time. It was for Jesus, it was for his first followers, it is for many Christians in many parts of the world today. So what might it mean to suffer, to to endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ? May I suggest that there are things that we still need to hand over to the Lordship of Christ Things that may be difficult, things that may actually require real work. Can I ask you this morning, how do you think about yourself? When you think about yourself and you reflect on your life, how is it that you do so? Is it with a sense of pride or or self-satisfaction? Is there a sense in which we sort of rest in our own prejudices? Is part of the hardship of Christ coming to him and allowing him to humble us and bring us in the best sense to our knees? Or maybe more likely, to be honest, for most Christians, do we tend to live with self-criticism, self-deprecation, self-demolition, judging ourselves with a harshness and a severity that we would never visit on somebody else, and that does not reflect the voice of Jesus. And perhaps the harshness, the suffering is about coming to God and saying, well, you make me believe about myself what you believe about me. You give me a sense of self-esteem that you believe about me. You take away all that stuff that I keep rehearsing in my head, mistakes in the past. You take it away and enable me to step into something that is better and fuller and richer and more wonderful. And do you know what? As flipping hard work. To step into the fullness that God has for you. That you might become the person that he wants you to be. That you might stand tall in him when there are voices all around you, most of them in your head, telling you that you are not. Can you hear his voice to you? And what about the way you think about other people? I was reflecting on this as I was trying to prepare. I know I talk about this too often, so forgive me for just doing it again. You know, It's really difficult uh, parking around here it's really difficult okay and sometimes really difficult driving around here okay and sometimes in fact quite often in fact almost every day people block our drive okay and i get really stressed about it and first thing in the morning we do two things we go to the back garden and check whether the fox is there because the fox is really cool and then we go to the front and we say is anyone blocking our drive like this How do you feel about the people who do that? How do you feel about the people who drive around Spark Hill at ridiculous speeds, endangering themselves or others? How do I feel about the young man who drives wheelies on a, on a quad bike up Woodlands Road? Do you know, it's really easy to indulge your prejudices. It's really easy to talk about them It's really easy to allow a whole set of things to go on in your head and they become them and they. And the animosity and the resentment builds. And I'm okay and they are not. Might the hardship, the suffering, the discipline be about saying, Lord, you have called me to love Because you know, when you give good advice, you, can, you know immediately, don't you, whether somebody loves you or not. If you get good advice from somebody who doesn't like you, how do you feel about it? You want to tell them where to put it. You get good advice from somebody who loves you, you'll listen. How dare I speak if I do not love the person that I speak to? It's hard work to love people, especially hard work to love people who inconvenience you and hassle you and behave in ways you don't like. Is this what it means to be involved in the suffering, hardship, and discipline? I know you might be sitting there thinking, it's not that suffering, is it really, Tom? Is it really? It feels like a challenge. It feels like a battle. Not to drop back into one's own prejudices but instead to say this person in front of me is created in the image of God, loved by Christ. They are just as important and they have just as much right to be here as I do. You love them before you dare to speak to them. And what about the words and the language that we use? It's part of being a good soldier in Christ to to enable him to to, to change and to develop us. You know, I've got a member of my extended family who who lives elsewhere and I, I ring them up from time to time and I can tell within the first two sentences what kind of day they're having. They'll say hello and then the next two words will be I can't. Honestly, I can't. And then there'll be a long sentence after that. And I know they're having a bad day. Can Jesus change our way of thinking? You know, I think in post-pandemic Britain, there are lots and lots and lots of reasons to be having a bad day and they're real, and they're deep, and they're powerful. People are tired. We are tired. We may be grieving. We may be worried about the cost of living, bewildered by the behavior of our leaders, looking out into the world and seeing how terrifying it is. Are we the people who say, I can't, we can't, don't get me wrong, all those things are real. And it's right that we are real about them. But we have the hope of the world. Because we have Jesus. It's part of what it means to be in the suffering, the hardship, the discipline of being a good soldier. Is that we are called to be the voice of hope, of life, of love. Endure suffering, endure hardship, endure discipline as a good soldier of Christ. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that we focus on who we are serving. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. As followers of Jesus, as good soldiers, we are called to remember to whom we relate. We relate first and foremost to Christ. And we try not to get distracted and entangled and and messed up by lots of other things. Remember the words from Hebrews chapter 11. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What might be the things that entangle you? What might be the things that distract you, that take your eyes off your commanding officer? Can I say, I think one of the key things that entangles us, that distracts us, is other people's measurements of our success. Other people's measurements of our success. This week, okay, I promise this sermon is not therapy, okay. This week, I watched a friend from theological college become a lord in the house of lords. Ooh, on television, on television, I didn't let him go. But, um, and uh, he, he got to dress up in funny gear, and lots of other people dressed up in funny gear. And there was lots of puncing about, and you know this kind of thing. And then at the end, you know, in order to say you've arrived, do you know what they do? Do you know what they do to say you've arrived? They go, Yah 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 yah. honestly, you can hear it on the news. Yah 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 yah. So he's now, a house of, he's now in the House of Lords. Okay. So I now, no two people in the House of Lords. And I've only asked one of them out, so there we are. Anyway, on any measure, on any measure, okay, we were ordained at the same time, okay? On any measure, Paul's doing better, isn't he? He's doing better. And it's really tempting, isn't it, to look at Paul and say, Gordon Bennett, I remember playing football with you. I remember standing in the queue for lunch with you. I remember all these things. And look, you're now as Lord's. Can I just say, Paul would be the first one to say, don't be daft. What is the measurement of our success? The measurement of our success is how like Jesus we are becoming. Is how he is transforming us into his image. Is how much he will say to us, well done good and faithful servants. And when we meet him, he won't give two hoots who is in the house of lords. What will matter is what we did with the knowledge and love of the Lord. And you know, if you look sidewards, you'll always get lost. If you look frontwards to Jesus, you'll always know where you're going. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Friends, don't fall into that trap. Looking sidewards and pretending that other people can define you. They can't. However hard they try, only he can define you. And I think if we knew one one pinch of what he thinks of us, we would be thrilled beyond words because he takes such delight in us, such joy, such wonder. And his plans for us are so phenomenal. And he never gives up. And he never says he's done. And he never says he's finished. And he always believes and trusts and hopes and all those things from 1 Corinthians 13. So what are you like? You are like a good soldier. Following after Jesus. It will be hard at times. There will be discipline. There will be suffering. He is at work within us. It will hurt from time to time. Let's not be freaked or worried by that. And let's stay focused on Him. Let's remember who He is. And let's remember who we are as His servants and His soldiers. Amen.